0: So I'll share with you perhaps the most important thing that you could ever hear, and it's this. You must be born again. Unless you are born spiritually, you are not alive spiritually or spiritually dead, and you will remain spiritually dead forever. But if you are born spiritually, you are made alive spiritually, and you will be alive forever. And Jesus said, you must be born again. This must happen. It's the most important thing that you could hear, understand, or experience. And if, if you know me, I, I like to keep things kind of lighthearted. I think I'm a fun person. I would hope you experience something of that. I like to laugh and joke around. But the weight of this conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus and the, the weight that it hit me with this week is a certain... A depth and weight to what I'm about to say, um, so I just invite you to sort of open your heart to that this morning as I hit it pretty seriously. But there's also a beauty and a simplicity to what's being said here uh, that that we can embrace. So uh, we're going to just continue this journey through the Gospel of John, and we've been calling this sermon series "Life." This is um, the Gospel of John. Is his disciple. Jesus' disciple John, his account of Jesus' life, describes Jesus as God who came to this world to bring life, new, abundant, and eternal life to people. And uh, so that's what this is all about. Today's question for us is, how do I experience that life? How do I get that life? And the conversation between Jesus and this man named Nicodemus is going to show us that. And so, uh, and of course, it includes what's perhaps the most famous verse in the Bible, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And so, that verse is very famous. Perhaps you've memorized it as a child, or at some point in your journey of faith. And it's just it's so widely quoted and memorized that and, and. in many ways, kind of pulled out of its context, that it can actually be easy to misunderstand that. So I want to consider that very famous verse in its context and, and consider uh, consider what we are to see here as we walk through this conversation <clears throat> between Jesus and Nicodemus. So let us, uh, let us pray as we approach this. So Father God, we, we believe that your Spirit is here and at work, and we pray that you would have us to hear... And have us to experience through your spirit what you desire during this time. And we thank you for your goodness to us in that. We thank you that you care enough to to reach to us. And so, Lord, teach us now. We give this time to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's uh, consider Nicodemus. So this man Nicodemus, he goes to Jesus. Now, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, the text says. And that means he was super religious. He would have prayed very regularly, regimented life of prayer. He would pray all the time. Probably prayed more than you pray. He would go to church, so to speak, every day and more. You know, you have your, your Catholic aunt who goes to church every day. She's super religious too. You have one of those. I do too. The the, um, the that he was actually more religious than her and more church going than her and prayed more regularly. He was an extremely moral person. He was a Pharisee, so they adhered to a very, very strict observance to the Jewish law. So God gave his law, his commands, and this group of, um, this religious group, they strictly followed all of God's commands. And he was a high-ranking official Pharisee, so he was a successful religious leader. He was good at it. And he believed that Jesus was a good teacher sent from God. And he said as much to Jesus. He acknowledged that Jesus was a miracle worker. So he believed in Jesus's power. So Nicodemus has all this stuff going for him when he encounters Jesus. And most people in our world would say, that's actually a pretty good combination of stuff. If you ask average person in the street, you ask your neighbor or coworker, how do you live a spiritual life? How do you connect with God, and how do you have a vibrant spiritual life? Their answer to that would be probably some combination of these things, about doing religious stuff. Go go to church and pray and worship. And the more that you do prayer and worship and these religious practices, the more you'll connect with God. And irreligious people who don't care anything about prayer, they don't care anything about uh, going to church, they're missing out. People will also say, well, you should be moral. If you want to connect with God, you've got to live a, live a good moral life. You know, People who are immoral, who steal and who are violent and who lie, and, and people who are immoral, they miss out on God's blessing of, be, you know, of doing moral and good things. And some people, if they're more focused towards Jesus, they might say, actually, more than being moral, you've got to live the way of Jesus in your life. So not j- just avoiding evil, but loving your neighbor as yourself. You know, do to others as you would have them do to you. Live out the golden rule. This whole uh, way of Jesus you know, caring for widows and orphans and, and being generous and, and, and loving to everyone and kind. You know, that's the Jesus way. That's how you're going to have a spiritual life. And, and other people might even go further than that. They say, you know what? The spiritual life is also about believing in God's power, believing in the miracles, about believing that God can heal you, and believing that uh, there's supernatural things. And, and you, you, you know, life isn't just uh, here, but there's a whole spiritual realm, and you need to believe that. The thing is, Nicodemus had all that stuff. He checked all those boxes. And that seems like a really good combination of things to, to be and to do to have a strong spiritual life. And so, But Jesus doesn't say to him, Hey, Nick, you're doing great. Hey, Nicodemus, you are, you are part of the kingdom of heaven. You are walking in this way that I've come to bring to this world. What does Jesus say to him? Jesus says to Nicodemus, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless you are born again. Nicodemus is struck by this notion. He pushes back. uh, How can I be born again? I'm an adult. I can't crawl back in and repeat the thing that happened at my birth. And Jesus makes it very clear. I'm talking about a different kind of birth. Uh, Verse 5, Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Nicodemus, all those things that you do are great. All those things that you have are wonderful. But unless you have a spiritual birth, you are not living spiritually. You do not have spiritual life. And Jesus goes on in verse 7. He says, you shouldn't be surprised at this. You should not be surprised at me saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So these, now this is interesting to Nicodemus. Because if he's done all the right stuff, but he needs to be born spiritually, just like there's a a physical birth, now there's a spiritual birth. Well, what did you contribute to your physical birth? What did you do to get born? You didn't do anything. Somebody else did something and you were born. But that's not something that you can do to yourself. And in the same way, the spirit has to give you spiritual birth. You can't birth yourself spiritually spiritually. And Jesus describes it like wind blowing wherever it wants to blow. That's how it is with the Spirit. Being born of the Spirit is wherever the wind wants to blow. That's where it goes. And you can't harness the wind. You can't channel the wind in such a way. It's going to blow where it wants to blow. And that's how spiritual life comes to be. So Nicodemus says, how, how can this be? Verse 9. How, how can this be? If you were to ask Nicodemus or a leader like him, hey, how do you, you know, how do you connect with God and how do you enter into God's kingdom? Nicodemus would say, you devote yourself to God, you obey his commandments, you submit to his will, and you're entering his kingdom. And now, there's this teacher saying, now, but I, now I also need a complete rebirth? I mean, think about it. If, if Nicodemus, who lived with such a strict observance to God's law, he probably didn't have a lot of sin to repent of, never mind a whole new cleansing and rebirth. I mean, if, he, if, if Jesus says that that man needs a radical transformation to, to have spiritual life, what hope do you have? He was more religious than you, trust me. He was more religious than me. And he needs rebirth. So we might just join with Nicodemus and say, How can this be? And Jesus gives Nicodemus two things to help him understand this. He gives him a very general thing and a very specific thing. First, the general thing. Jesus says, verse 10, Jesus says, you're Israel's teacher, and do you not understand these things? He said, look, you're, you're Israel's teacher. You're an expert in the Old Testament. And by nature of your position and by nature of your teaching... And you should know this. Jesus is saying the whole Old Testament, all the prophets are looking forward to this day where there will be new spiritual life, rebirth by God's Spirit. And wherever we see descriptions of water and the Spirit flowing in the Old Testament, points to these things. When the prophet Joel said, you know, where God promised that there'll be a day where he would pour out his Spirit on all people. So God's spirit pouring out towards people like water. Or in the prophet Ezekiel, um, where it says in chapter thirty six, says I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities, from all your idols, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my I will put my spirit in you and you will move to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. This beauty, and, and again and again, we can go through a number of these where the, the prophets of God were promising that God was going to bring new life. That that which is dead will be brought to life by the Spirit of God. You must go from spiritual death to spiritual life. This is the promise of the Old Testament. And, and therefore, Nicodemus shouldn't be surprised if I'm saying that very same thing. You should be looking for it. So Jesus gives him just this general, you know, you should know these things from Scripture. But he gives him a specific analogy of this as well in verse 14. Jesus says to Nicodemus, he said, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. So Jesus is referring to an account that happened uh, at the time of the Exodus. After the Exodus, God's people were uh, rebelled against God, they they sinned, and serpents, snakes came in and bit them, poisonous snakes. And they had the deadly poison in their bodies, and they were dying. And God told Moses, he said, Moses, this is what you're going to do. You need to fashion out of bronze a snake, and just put it on a pole and hold it up. And anyone who looks at that snake, once it's lifted up, you look at it, and you'll be healed. So God's, God provided, so just as God provided this snake that brought new physical life to these people, why is it so mysterious that this same God would provide that people might have new spiritual life? So when Jesus said, as the Son of Man, is," just as the snake was lifted up, so I, the Son of Man, must be lifted up, he's referring to his crucifixion, that Jesus is lifted up on the cross, And that anyone who believes in him has this eternal life. No matter how religious or moral you are, everybody has the venom of sin in their body and they are dying. And all we can do is see that Jesus, God provides Jesus, lifted up on the cross. And just as people looked at the snake, you look to Jesus for salvation. The people weren't healed by the snake. The people in in the time of Moses, they were healed by God's grace, God's grace to them, but it was the snake on the pole was the means of that. The same thing for us. We are saved by the grace of God alone, but it's Jesus' sacrifice on the cross that makes it possible. So when Nicodemus asks, Jesus, how can this be? How can I receive this new birth? Or how can I be born again? We are born again when God's spirit turns our dead hearts alive. That is where the spiritual life begins. That is where eternal life begins. It is because of God's sovereign grace, his love made possible through the work of Jesus on the cross. And you look to Jesus and you see your savior and you believe. That brings us to John 3, 16. Here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's, that's where we get to this, this great passage of scripture where it says this is because God loved the world not just one nation of people his special chosen people Israel but all the nations of the world and the world in the gospel of John when it talks about the world it's the world is that which is opposed to God's kingdom God loved all of this world that was opposed to him that he sent and provided a way for them to be born again and have new and eternal life so what do we do Because you can't make yourself spiritually alive no matter how hard you try, no matter all the good stuff that you do, you still must be born again. And you can't make yourself born, you can't harness the wind of God's Spirit. So, what do we do? Do I just sit around and hope that maybe it would happen to me? Here's what I say look to Jesus. Look to Jesus on the cross. How do I know if I'm born again? Look to Jesus, see him as Savior, see him as your life. If you believe, then you have been born again. And it brings a response of faith. That is the reflex of this life is faith in him. You are able to have faith because you are spiritually alive. That's why Jesus is so polarizing. He was then and today. Very polarizing, because you look to Jesus, people, people saw the miracles. Some people saw the miracles, and they believed, and they followed. Other people saw the miracle, and they, they accused him of, of some sort of evil. And even at the end of this passage, it talks about that, that there's those who will see the light, but they, um, they remain in darkness. It, it, they, they are not alive spiritually. Look to Jesus, see him as Lord, and believe in him. And you cannot say, you cannot look to Jesus and say, Jesus is Lord, unless the Spirit of God prompts you. Romans twelve three. No one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God will make your dead heart alive to have faith in him. Remember when, when Jesus was, was talking to his disciple, Peter, and he said, you know, people are saying different things about me, Peter, but who do you say that I am? And in Matthew 15... Peter answers, Jesus, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. Peter said, you are the Messiah. You are the chosen one. You were the one who was to come. And Jesus said, good, you're right. But you didn't just figure that out by watching me. You didn't read about it anywhere. Nobody told you except my Father. The the Spirit of God has showed you that this is true. That you have become alive. Look to Jesus. And as we look to Jesus. And as you've looked to Jesus. As you see him as Savior and Lord. As you believe. We point other people to Jesus too. Because that's their only hope for life. Look to Jesus. Look at that cross. What do you see? That's why. So. Uh, this week, week one of Alpha this week, that's going to be the question. Who is Jesus? Look to Jesus. Get these 80 people in the room. We could, we could feed 81 if you want to come. We, can, we, could, we could squeeze another seat, another meal. If you don't know, look to Jesus. Who is he? And how you answer that's going to change everything. So, so for me, I had a moment this week. I had a moment. I was, I'm, I'm reflecting on this and I had a thought. Am I born again? Am I actually born again or am I just a religious leader like Nicodemus? Like I've got some religious credentials. I, I literally have a card. My credentials, I have religious credentials. It's in my wallet. And I do all these things but am I, have I actually been born again and I had a moment. Your pastor has moments. And in that moment, I prayed, God, am I born again? And instantly, this overwhelming sense, almost an audible voice, overwhelming sense, you are my child. Just a deep sense of God's fatherhood over me, and a sense that I, am in, I was indeed born his child if you desire to be born again, your desire is a good sign that it probably has happened. Your, your faith itself is a sign of life born in you. And we can be sure that it's the role of God's Spirit to give us life. But it's also the role of God's Spirit to remind us, to prove to us that we are indeed God's children that his spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you loved this world, this broken and sinful and rebellious world, enough to want to come and make dead hearts alive. And all we can say is thank you. We are humbled that, we, that you've done this for us. We have done nothing to, to deserve it, to earn it, and yet by your grace, you, you give it freely. I pray that we would always treasure that you have given us this life. And I pray that we would point others to this life. And Lord, that, that, you would continue, that we, we desire to see you continue to bring people from spiritual death to spiritual life. And that faith would be exercised and that belief in you would grow. and that you'd be glorified. We pray it all in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen.